Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today, we get deep with Irene Pappas, otherwise known as Fit Queen Irene. Get ready to be truly inspired by her motivational journey to yoga and her humble path to honoring her body, mind, and soul. Listen close as she reveals the truth about how she sees Instagram and how it's changed her life. Through practicing yoga, you will see the things in yourself that you might not have been aware of. And I also mean that in the sense that as your life evolves, your practice will as well. And as your practice evolves, your life will too. Yoga can be the mirror to change ourselves. Tune on in as we go beyond the back bends with Irene Pappas, or as you may know her, Fit Queen Irene, on this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. absolutely wonderful to have you in town and now I'm even more excited to have you here again um, super stoked to you know just connect and it's really good I feel to have that sense of communion and to bring us all back together and the IG getaway was absolutely wonderful so happy to have you back in California thank you Dope. do you really like it here I love it here every time I come to LA a piece of me wants to live here but luckily I have a lot of friends so I can come visit whenever I want mm-hmm totally So are you just traveling and teaching right now? Mostly. I mean, right now I'm based out of D.C., which is where my whole family lives, but I don't spend a whole lot of time there. I've been traveling to teach and to practice. Um, I just had surgery on my wrist three months ago, so I kind of took a bit of time off and was a little bit more low-key with less travel, but now my schedule is picking up again, and so I'll be doing quite a bit of travel over the next few months. Wow, that's crazy. So I think that we'll get a little bit more into your injury a little later on, but um, first things first, I really like to go through your past and then come to the present and then go on to the future. 
Um, so we know where you're at right now. I want to talk some more about where your yoga journey began. Well, I began practicing a little over three years ago. The funny thing is my mom has been a yoga teacher for the past maybe seven years. Wow. Yeah. And so she teaches Hatha, but I was never really interested in her classes. They were a little bit too slow paced and my mind was always racing and I can just never really settle in. And so um, about five years ago, I had a breast reduction, which changed my view of how I saw myself. And so after that, I decided I wanted to get into fitness and I, I really wanted to start working on my body more for my own self-esteem and my self-confidence. And so I was, I was in the gym, I was working out and I got to a point where I was pretty happy with how I looked, but I wanted something more and I wasn't really sure what it was I was looking for. And I took my friend or he wasn't my friend at the time, but I took this guy Carson's class (laughs) at the gym and it was a yoga class filled with fun handstands and cool tricks. And I just never realized that yoga could be so fun. And so I started taking his class pretty regularly just at the gym Mm -hmm. and eventually I went to the studio. Now at my first studio class, it was so hot. And I was used to doing like an hour in the cold gym and it was like almost two hours long. He kept us late and it was, it was just this crazy experience. And after that, I didn't go back for a month. I was scared. (laughs) Immediately Carson scared you away. He scared me away. And I was like, I don't know about this yoga. I don't know if this is right for me. Um, But I ended up coming back. And so rocket yoga was the first style that I practiced. Mm -hmm. And rocket is rooted in Ashtanga which takes, uh, in Ashtanga, you go pose by pose and you kind of get given the poses by your teacher. And with Rocket, it jumbles up the sequence and it allows all different practitioners to play with advanced poses. And so I decided I wanted to figure out a little bit more about Ashtanga, about the foundation of the Rocket practice. And so I began to practice um, Ashtanga pretty regularly and, and one thing led to another and I decided I wanted to do a teacher training. That's pretty awesome. So immediately you were drawn to yoga through the vinyasa practice, and in doing so, you immediately knew that you wanted to become a teacher? Well, I just knew I wanted to learn more, and um, I at the time I knew I wanted to do something in the fitness industry. I kind of thought that I wanted to be like a celebrity personal trainer or, or mm-hmm. wellness coach, health coach. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll add yoga in, or I'd like to have that basis of knowledge. So when I did my teacher training, I really didn't have the intention of teaching because, um, I'd only been practicing for a little while and I know you're supposed to practice for at least a year before you do a training. So I really was just doing it for myself because I wanted to know more. And I felt like in each class, it was only, you know, 90 minutes or so. It just wasn't enough time to really learn about the, the anatomy and the spiritual practice and all the other parts Um, so I, so I did a training. So with your mom being a yoga teacher, did you have yoga in the home as you were growing up or tell me about some of like your childhood? Were you playing sports? Well, I was always, I always considered myself to be not athletic at all. I never was interested in team sports. What do you mean? (laughs) I know things change. It's really interesting. Um, so I rode horses a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. I started when I was about six. My family um, got me into riding and I, I love riding horses. And I think that's kind of where some of my fearlessness came from because I would like jump over stuff and just do, do crazy stuff when I would ride. Um, but I was never athletic. I never liked playing team sports because I felt this pressure of letting my team down. Mm. And so I just never, I never really liked that. And I would always pick uh, either cross country or just something where I felt like it was my, I was just doing it on my own a little bit more, even though it is a team. It's like you run by yourself. 
Um, but I was not a really good runner and my joints always hurt when I played sports and I didn't realize why. And now looking back, I can see it's because of the hypermobility that I have and I wasn't strong enough to be asking my body to do the things that I was. So you were already pretty flexible at that time then? I wouldn't necessarily consider it flexible. I mean, yes, it was flexibility, but it was more so just weakness in my joints. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've always tended towards flexibility, but, uh, I hadn't really unlocked it yet. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, in high school I would manage the football team and I would do all these other things just to get out of playing sports and I would ride horses when I could get a waiver to do so. Yeah. It's, it's just really interesting how things change because now, not that I consider myself super athletic. I mean, I can, I can pick up things relatively quickly because yoga has made me much more aware of my body, but, um, it's so funny because I still have this little bit of doubt that lives inside me. That's like, you're not athletic, you're not fit, Mm. but, uh, that's not true anymore. That's beautiful. Tell me about that phase in deciding to become a yoga teacher and a little bit about your yoga teacher training. So, um, at the time I was just building this Instagram account, Fit Queen Irene, and I didn't really know what direction I wanted to take it in. How long ago is this, by the way? Um, I guess I, it must've been, I mean, it was at least three years ago, so probably three and a half or four years ago, Mm -hmm. um, that I started that account. So I, I was kind of, you know, posting whatever selfies in the mirror, some meals, uh, a couple yoga poses here and there, but I really didn't know what direction I wanted to take it in. And so, um, after my training, I... I started subbing a couple of classes just when necessity came up. And after the first class that I taught, it just came so naturally to me. I felt like it was my purpose and my gift to Uh, share yoga. So you felt like it just flowed fluidly. Immediately. There wasn't any sense of stage fright. There wasn't any of that. You just were able to tune right in. I mean, I was nervous before the class started and I still get a little bit nervous before I teach, but, um, I felt this overwhelming feeling of peace while it was happening. And I mean, I got really great feedback from the students, which was nice, but really just this feeling of, I was doing what I was meant to be doing. And I was connected in a way that I never felt before. That's pretty amazing. So you did your yoga teacher training with rocket yoga. I did it in Ashtanga. Okay. Yeah, so I did a 200-hour in Ashtanga, and my teachers were David Kyle, he's from Puerto Rico, and Peg Mulqueen, who's based out of D.C., and she's an Ashtangi. And, um, and it, was, it was great because it was really foundational training, and I got to learn a lot about the primary series. And it was a very intense asana practice, and we were required to practice at least four days a week. And I thought it was great. It was really an immersion, and it took place over six months. It was really it was weekends, sometimes every other weekend. And I really liked that it was a little like a longer training rather than a month long immersion. And I think either way, you can't go wrong. But I enjoyed seeing my progress over the course of those six months because the person I was when I started and the person I was at the end were just very different. And I felt like I got a lot out of it. Can you describe the person that you were before and the person you became after? Well, before I really had no direction and I didn't really, I mean, I practiced yoga, but I wasn't dedicated. And that's something I've always struggled with, um, commitment. I've never really wanted to commit, whether it's to myself or to others or in relationships. And so um, having someone tell me you have to take four Ashtanga classes a week or practice Mysore at least four days a week was kind of, it brought me back to this feeling of rebellion that I had in my past of always wanting to rebel from my parents or from teachers. And if you told me that I had to do something, I never wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to really struggle with those demons over the course of the training and um, putting in the hours when I needed to do it. And by the end, I just had this feeling of, appreciation for the commitment and the dedication that I had put in. 
And it was one of the first times that I'd really completed something that I'd set my mind to because I'm kind of notorious for starting projects and then not finishing them or starting really strong and then just losing steam. And um, so I was just really proud of myself for completing that training, even though it was really challenging at times. And it did make me face the dark sides of myself that I had been ignoring for a little while. Um, So you said that your yoga teacher training brought out some of your dark sides. And what would you say were these dark sides and what did you have to face? Well, like I said, the whole um, dealing with the commitment part. So in the training, we were required to take, I believe it was maybe three or four Ashtanga classes a week. Now, I was taking a ton of classes, but they weren't Ashtanga classes. And so when my teacher called the studio to check in on me, the studio was like, yeah, Irene's taking a whole lot of classes, but she's doing mostly rocket. And, um, and so when I, my teacher approached me about it and told me that I had to you know, take more Ashtanga classes, and so by the end of the training, I had to do at least six Ashtanga classes a week to make up for the classes that I had been missing. Wow. And um, so I just had this, this feeling of like hatred almost, or just being like, oh, you're forcing me to do this and I don't want to do it. And really it was about myself and I hadn't done something that I was supposed to be doing. And so I had to deal with that. And, um, for the first time since high school, I just, I had to face that and I, and I usually don't handle that well. And so figuring out how to handle that a little bit more gracefully was really important and, um, taught me a lot about how to handle things going forward. And also throughout the training, I dealt with a couple of different injuries. I pulled my hamstring. And so um, continuing to have to practice with that was one of the first tastes that I kind of got about um, modifying and figuring out how to practice even when your body doesn't feel like you want to practice or your mind is telling you that you don't want to do it and um, figuring out a way to get over that. Wow. So early on, it sounds like you had a lot of commitment to your practice because obviously you had to finish up these hours for you to become teacher trained and for you to have your 200-hour certification. So would you say that that commitment is what led to your growth in your practice as far as your asana practice goes? Of course. I mean, I think that one of the reasons why my practice is as quote-unquote advanced as it might seem right now is because the first year or two that I practiced, I practiced all day, every day whether it was going to multiple classes a day or going to the gym and working on specific things that I wanted to work on within my practice. That's how I grew so quickly within my own practice because practicing a couple days a week, I mean, it's great. And no matter how much yoga you practice, it's amazing. It doesn't matter if you do it once a week or every day. Um, But I mean, I put in so many hours that it was the commitment and dedication that paid off. Awesome. So with that being said, do you feel that your commitment was due to your love for yoga or was it due to your internal opening and development of your own self-image? Well, to be completely honest, when I started practicing, I had a crush on Carson, the teacher. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I hope he doesn't hear this. Just kidding. It's fine. (laughs) We've we've had this conversation, so it's okay. But, um, and so I was really doing it for him. Like I wanted, I wanted him to notice me. I wanted him to pay attention to me. And so I took all of his classes And eventually I realized that it just was never going to work between us. We became really close friends and I'm very grateful for his friendship to to this day. But um, I realized that it was something deeper that I was looking for. And that then turned into an obsession with the physical poses. And so um, I was very dedicated to my practice because I wanted to get better because I wanted to be impressive. I wanted to do the cool stuff. And I felt like it was almost like I was proving something to myself that I was able to do these things. 
but eventually that also transcended because, um, I guess we'll get into it a little bit more later, but lately I just realized that I've been seeking a connection to the divine ever since day one, ever since that first yoga class I ever taught when I felt connected to something that I didn't even know what it was. And, um, at first it disguised itself as a crush on a guy and then it disguised itself as a handstand. And then I realized that I was just really seeking a connection with God. And even though you don't necessarily have to think of it as the word God, I mean, I just, I've been so apprehensive about talking about it. And, um, my family was very religious growing up. And my joke was that I would catch on fire when I walked into church. Mm. And I remember as a young child, my mom asking me if I believed in God and I told her, no, I don't think so. And I struggled with depression for a long time through my teenage years. And I actually tried to commit suicide when I was 14 and ended up in the hospital for over a week because I I really, I almost did it. And um, after that, I kind of, I mean, of course I had a second chance on life, but I kind of had to figure out what the meaning was because life is meaningless unless you give it a meaning. And so through yoga, I found that meaning and eventually I found that connection to something higher than myself. So even in my moments of doubt and my moments of not believing or feeling sad or depressed, there is something greater to trust and to believe in, um, bigger than a boy or a handstand or anything. That's beautiful. So I wanted to talk about how yoga allowed you to connect to that space within yourself that you call the divine. Well, um, like I said before, it really started as a very physical practice for me. And, um, I felt like I would never be able to meditate because my mind always moved so quickly. And I would often leave class before Shavasana and I'd go like hang out in the lobby for a little bit and then I'd come back in to take some photos after class. Mm -hmm. Um, but eventually I noticed that I was seeking something that was deeper than the physical practice. And so at first it started just little tastes of meditation, a little bit of pranayama here and there. And then I started, um, I read a book called A Course in Miracles, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, I don't know if if you're familiar. Very familiar with Marianne Williamson. Yeah, exactly. And so the first half of the book is a, a, a course that you can read. And then the second half is a workbook. And so for about 180 days, every single day, I, um, I read the, you know, the, the page of the day and applied that to my life. And through doing that and through creating that habit, it kind of allowed me to create the space to retrain my mind to then connect deeper to the sense of the divine. Because for a long time, I was just giving this energy that was from me and I would teach classes and I'd feel really exhausted after like I just was so energetically drained because I wasn't tapping into the abundance of energy that's out there in the universe. I was just using my own and relying on myself. But as I began to retrain my mind through this course in miracles, I figured out that um, if I could connect to the divine or the universe, it became effortless. My life became completely effortless. It was like I was free and my choices felt easy and I just felt so present and in the moment that teaching became even more fluid than it had felt before and my relationships became a lot easier and just everything began to flow in a way that I couldn't even imagine. And now I just continue to see the opportunities that are coming my way and um, I just feel so blessed, but I know it's because to a certain degree I've let go and I've kind of let God take over and I, I become a vessel for that because my goal is to change the world and it's not really through yoga or through 
anything. It's through love. It's something bigger than anything you can put your finger on. And so, yes, yoga is the gateway and yoga is the way I want to get people in the door. But in the end, I want it to be bigger than what you're doing on your yoga mat. I want it to be your life. And I want each of us to spread love to every single person in our lives so that we can inspire them to be the best person they can be. And together we can do it. We can change the world. But it does take reflection and time and self-discovery. And it's scary and it's hard, but it's worth it. Certainly. I wanted to segue directly into the present place that you're in because it sounds like you've gone through this journey of commitment, of really committing yourself to doing your yoga teacher training, to practicing every day, to going beyond the asanas, to get to a place where you can now, or where you have now discovered the divinity within yourself and within others. And I feel that that brings us to your presence, um, into your present moment, which is, you know, being here, being asked to teach for the IG getaway, which was obviously, you know, we've got Laura Sakura who's got millions of followers, and Dylan Warner, who's absolutely amazing, <laughs> yeah. and you are on the bill. And, like, how does that feel to now have arrived to a place where you're now able to affect so many people, and you have almost, what, a half of a million followers now, right? Almost. Almost, almost, almost. <laughs> what are you at? 483,000, I think. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's still a lot of people that you affect on a daily basis. Yeah. And it it really seems unreal. Um, And every day I kind of wake up in this dream, like it's not real because it just seems so uh, amazing. And I can't believe that this is the life that I'm living. And being associated with people like Dylan and like Bryony and Dice and all these people that I looked up to when I started practicing, um, even Kino, being associated with Kino or being able to hang out with her and not just go take her workshop. I mean, when I first started practicing, I would look at Bryony and Kino on YouTube and I just can't believe that I'm friends with them now. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really surreal. And a piece of me still feels nervous, like why or how am I being not really compared, but put on the same, you know, we're, we're teaching together. We're teaching at the same events. And, um, I feel really grateful, but again, that little voice of doubt does come up because, um, you know, I've been dealing with injury right now and my practice is not what it was a year ago and it's not what it will be in a year from now. You know, who knows what direction it will go, but I've realized so much that it's not just the physical practice that people come to me for. And at first it was, it was just the crazy backbends. It was the handstands, but now, um, it's moving towards something more real and the connections that I'm making, I feel like are so much deeper. And every person that comes into my life, I truly feel like they're here for a reason. And, um, it's been hard though. Uh, my present right now is definitely a time of transition. I think it can always be considered a time of transition though. Um, but figuring out how to continue when life shows up in a way that you're not expecting. For me, it was my wrist breaking and dying and figuring out how to come back and deal with that. But what I've really realized is, uh, although I thought I've been practicing yoga for three years, probably been practicing yoga for about seven months now. Um, how would you say, how would you say your description of yoga has changed? Well, at first I thought, um, you know, going through the motions and showing up on my mat and all of these things that I was doing, yes, of course I was practicing yoga, but, um, after injuring my wrist and, you know, I did it to myself, I pushed myself past the point of pain for months, 
my wrist hurt. And finally I went to the doctor and I got a diagnosis and it was really terrible. My doctor was very concerned for me and I went to four or five different specialists and four out of the five told me I would not be able to use my wrist again. And it was really scary. It was the scariest thing I faced since I began this yoga path. And it's funny because I kind of felt like I had it all figured out. And my life was going so well. Everything was amazing. You know, I'm traveling yoga. I'm teaching yoga, traveling the world. And uh, I just couldn't imagine it being any better. And then, bam, it's like, actually, no, this is what's going on now. And I just had to reevaluate myself. I had to reevaluate everything that was going on in my life because all of a sudden, the things that were easy for me and the things that I was teaching hurt me. Hmm. And my practice hurt me because I wasn't practicing from a place of love. I was practicing from a place of ego and wanting to do the next cool thing and pushing myself super hard because I wanted to be able to press up into handstand. And so after I got my diagnosis, I had to make some changes and I had to really rethink all of these things that I thought I knew. And now I know that I know nothing. I probably will never know anything. And even though I say, yeah, I've been practicing yoga for seven months, two years from now, I'm going to probably be like, oh no, now, now I've just began to practice <laughs> yoga because I mean, that's just how it is. You know, things change, your mind opens and you realize that we really don't know much and we have to continue to be open to learning and to figuring it out and to, to embrace the struggle and so after I had surgery on my wrist three months ago, I, I really had this, this moment of just not really knowing who I was anymore because I didn't have the yoga poses that I could post on the internet and have people tell me how amazing I was. And I didn't have my practice as my refuge anymore. I couldn't move and flow with my breath because my wrist was in a cast and I was scared. I was scared to push myself anymore. And I was scared to teach because I thought people wouldn't come because I couldn't demo and I couldn't couldn't do the things I used to be able to do. And so it was a real awakening, the first class that I taught after my surgery. I mean, I just sat on my mat and I walked around a little bit, but I couldn't really assist people because I couldn't touch them with my hands. I mean, I could touch them with one arm. Or but foot. Um, Or foot, yeah. And I mean, I figured it out. Eventually I did figure it out. But it was through that, through figuring it out, when I, when I, when I was really doubtful and I didn't know what to do. Um, and it's really easy to practice when your body feels good. Definitely. But it's not so easy to practice when your body or your mind is really quitting on you and you feel like you're lost. In the first yoga class that I took after my surgery, it was three days after, and I just laid in pigeon in the back of the room and I cried a lot because mm. that's where I was at. And it wasn't pretty, but it was just what I needed. And my practice is always there for me, even though it doesn't look the same as it did before. And I think that's part of the beauty of it is that it grows and it changes as we do. But... um. But, you know, I found myself through this injury and I've really found the voice of God because I, you know, I didn't really feel like I needed any help before I got hurt. And then I needed a lot of help. I needed help from everybody. And I wasn't used to asking for help or for people to carry my stuff or for people to drive me. And it was so humbling. It was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. And, um... And, you know, I'm getting a lot better. My wrist is getting better, but I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget where it came from because it's really easy once things start to get good again. It's like you forget about how bad it was or about what you've learned. 
And I don't want to forget about what I've learned about my physical practice or about my mind through what I've gone through. Um, Because if you don't learn your lessons, then you have to keep repeating them. And I'm trying to be a little bit smarter this time around, especially to my body, because my body does so much for me. But my pain tolerance is really high, and so I have to learn to feel things and before they get to the point of pain. That's a very, very beautiful quote there. Seriously, begin to learn things before they get to the point of pain and feel. You have to feel into your body. Um, this is perfect because I wanted to ask you, since your injury, in watching you right next to me on your mat, in Krista's class, I watched how humble you could be in your practice and how even in watching the class, you know, go through the motions, whether it was handstands, forearms, you know, all that good stuff, you decided to humble yourself on your mat and be in your practice. And you may have been doing a different posture, but at the same time, I could hear your breath and I could hear you truly being in tune with yourself, with your body, with your mind, with your spirit. And that energy in itself was just absolutely invigorating in my practice. And I could feel that energy of like, we're in this together. Like, this is what's happening. And I looked to you after class and you smiled. And it was like, beautiful, because I could see that your demeanor and your practice had changed. And that's an absolutely amazing thing to see. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the catalyst for us all to have that sensibility to have a more adaptive practice to our bodies? Well, um, whether or not we're talking about yoga doesn't really matter because I think that what it comes down to is changing our perspective of things happening to us versus us being the catalyst ourselves of the things that are happening. And so um, Andrew and I were having this conversation earlier. When I went to the doctor, they told me that it was just bad luck that my wrist broke and that my bone died and that, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was genetic. But I knew better. I knew that it was something that I had done to myself because I had pain. I kept pushing it. I kept pushing it. And um, whether it's an injury in your practice or maybe it's a relationship turned sour, whatever it is, looking at ourselves first instead of judging and and not judging ourselves by what's going on, but just looking at it from an observation perspective and just seeing what we're doing to bring these actions into our own lives and how we can change our thoughts, our words, our actions to bring more love and more of whatever it is that we're seeking because it's all within us and whatever we see around us is just a projection a projection of our state of mind. And so through yoga or through meditation or through whatever practice brings you peace, figuring out how to create that mindset that will then lead you to a peaceful life. And of course, it's not always going to be peaceful. There, there are bumps in the road. There are waves that you know will set you off. But once you've cultivated that peace of mind, it's like nothing can really get you down because it's just life. Every day goes on. Each day is different and nothing is good. Nothing is bad. It just is. And after figuring out that mentality, it's really changed everything for me because it's very easy to be like, oh, poor me, this thing has happened to me and it's very bad, very bad, but everything is a learning experience. And so as long as you take something from it, you know, everything is positive. 
It can be. And it doesn't mean you have to be happy all the time because that's not really realistic. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because we all still make bad choices, or at least me personally. I still sometimes make choices and I'm like, oof, that wasn't so great. But moving forward, I can look back and see, you know, it happens less and less. That's good. And that means that you're adapting, you're changing, you're learning from your mistakes. Definitely. Certainly. So from here... I want to know what gives you that sense of equanimity? What gives you that sense of hope that in learning from your mistakes, things are going to get better? Well, um, it's kind of like what I was talking about, just finding that sense of faith in the divine, because if you're always looking at yourself for strength or for love or for whatever it is, it's, you know, it's hard to have all these things within ourselves, but, um, but if you seek it outside of yourself through the universe, um, it's very easy to be strong. It's very easy to have faith because there is an abundance and there's an endless source all around us, but we just have to tap into it. And so for me, it was, you know, it started with the course in miracles and then I found a little bit more peace of mind and, um, just figuring out whatever it is because each of us are so different. And so for me, it's yoga, but for someone it might be surfing or for someone else, it might be art and tapping into those things creatively, uh, is really important to creating that equanimous mind that allows us to let these things just pass. And without judgment, that's one thing I'm really working on lately is not judging the people that I'm around because, um, I spend a lot of time with my friends and even though I travel a lot, I have, I have really close friends that I live with basically when I'm with them and it can be very easy to pick out their bad qualities because we all have them. But instead of focusing on the bad qualities to instead focus on the good qualities, because we all have so many things going for us. But if you choose to look at the bad, everything can be negative and figuring out how to make relationships work by communicating and by focusing on the positive and just having the open lines of communication, I find are so important. That is true. I liked what you said about looking at people's good rather than their flaws, because that allows us to really see the good in the world. And I feel that when we have that perspective of positivity, it allows us to see also the positivity within our own being. Of course. It's a reflective process. Now let's talk about your future. Okay. Because I feel like there's so many amazing things that are going to happen in what you have already made and have now built on, and your trajectory is just skyrocketing. You're, you're flourishing with endless possibilities, so let's talk about it. What's, what's new for you, what's going on, and what's in the future? Well, um, I'll start with something that I struggle with because uh, it's, been, it's been tricky because I have a lot of opportunities, which is amazing, but it can be hard to choose which ones to put my energy into. And so I'm trying to get a little bit um, smarter and more discerning about picking the things that are really going to nourish me and, and not being so flexible all the time, because that's something I really struggle with. I'm very go with the flow. I don't really make plans. I don't really make huge commitments. And so, um, nailing down my travel schedule is one of the scariest freaking things that I have to do because I don't know where I'm going to be in February, let alone next year. It's like, Oh my God, having to make these decisions is just crazy. And, um, so that's really been doing that has been great for me because I do need a little bit more of a plan sometimes. 
And I notice myself when I do make these commitments of teaching a workshop or teaching a retreat or whatever it is, sometimes having this moment of, oh, I wish I didn't do that because then I would have the ability to, to do something else, a better opportunity that seems to have come up. And then I realized that it was just the way I was looking at it because you have to commit and you have to follow through to your the people in your life that you love or to the plans that you make. And sometimes you don't feel like doing it, but you have to show up. And so moving forward, um, I do, you know, I want to keep traveling. Eventually I do want to find a place to settle down and to open, whether it's a a yoga studio or a retreat center. Um, and then eventually maybe all over the world to have different centers to do so. But, um, right now I'm, I'm kind of going through a bit more introspection because, for the past few months, my physical practice kind of went on the back burner. I hadn't really been able to uh, to develop my practice as much as I would have liked. And so now I'm kind of looking for a meditation teacher to help explore that a little bit more deeply and also to just put my time in because I've only been doing this for three years. And so to keep to keep teaching, to keep traveling, you know, it's great and I really enjoy it. But eventually I want to really specify and I want to do teacher trainings and I want to teach transformative retreats and yes I want to teach workshops and continue to do that but um but I want to invest the time in myself as well because I think that that's really the best option for me right now because the only way for me to continue to give and to continue to you know hopefully help change the world is by changing myself and by becoming the best person that I can be because I know I still have things that I struggle with and I will continue to always have things that I struggle with but through working through them and not just ignoring them um, my tendency is kind of to run and so traveling and teaching is really great for that because I've had to figure out like wait a second uh am I running or am I, am I, am I exploring? And, um, it can be hard to, to just stay still. I can very much so relate to that. Uh, a lot of times I'm running myself and oftentimes running myself ragged to the point where I have to have a little mini vacation to get back inside my body, get back inside my mind and really find where my heart aligns with my purpose. So I completely see that in being a traveling yoga teacher. And, you know, it's really hard in today's world with social media and and not just that, but um, just this need for technology and all the time it's like we're multitasking, we're filling our schedules as much as we can because there's this pressure that you have to be busy, you have to make ends meet, you have to pay rent, you have to take care of your family or whatever it is. And um, sometimes we don't just stop and kind of look at ourselves and and realize the person that we've become because we have the ability to change and to be whoever we want to be. But um, you have to do the work and you have to put the time in and you can't just ignore the problems because then they become really big problems. Definitely. That's beautiful. It's beautiful to see where your mind has come and to see the adaptation that you've actually embodied not only in your practice but also in your mindset for the future it's beautiful to see your plans so i wanted to ask you irene do you feel that the instagram community is helping yoga as a whole yes i do um you know it's a tricky question and i kind of go back and forth with it but at least with my own experience and my Instagram account, I know that I'm helping people um, see a bigger perspective of yoga. And I take 
personal responsibility for not doing the greatest job in the beginning of, you know, really posting a lot of crazy poses. And I still post crazy poses, but I try to accompany them with words that really do ring true to people and help them realize that yoga is something much bigger than a handstand or a crow pose. It's it's this, you know, journey to enlightenment, whether or not we ever get there. That's not necessarily the point, but through the journey. And I see a lot of other, you know, big accounts on Instagram that are doing the same thing or similar things in their own words. And I think it is what you make it. And so I'm going to tell myself that, yes, it's helping the yoga community because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it. Wow. That says a lot. Segwaying off of that, do you feel that in the Instagram yoga community, there, quote unquote, needs to be a shift of more of the moralistic practice of yoga, more of the um, ahimsa, the being kind to one another. Do you, do you feel like that is something that will happen in the future, per se? Or do you think it's just going to always be the place where people see value only on the coolest pose? And Well, I know for myself personally right now, um, I don't get as many likes as I used to. I think people no longer have... Uh, they don't really care as much about the photos, whereas before it was like, wow, all the time people were really impressed. And now it's kind of fizzling out almost. And um, I mean, I know people will always continue to look at Instagram for inspiration, but our responsibility as yoga teachers on Instagram is to continue to do the work on ourselves, like I said before, because you get power being a yoga teacher or having this control over your body. Whether you're an actress or you know a famous comedian or whatever you are, you gain power. And so it's our job to use the power for a positive way. And so I just hope that all of the people who do have a following on Instagram are putting in the work with themselves to become the best people that they can because through that, that's how we're going to change the world, not just by continuing to post cool poses and inspiring quotes. It's really not what it's about. It's about doing the work on ourselves and inside of ourselves and not just quoting some other person that might ring true. So how can we as teachers actually convey that to those who come to our classes, those who see us on Instagram, is that just being the truest you that you can possibly be? Yes. And working on that version, because sure, you could be the truest you, but maybe you're not necessarily a good person. So even though you're true to yourself, what does that mean? And so setting the standard a little bit higher of, of being the best person that you can be and practicing the eight limbs of yoga and when I start my yoga classes, no matter if it's a class that I've taught a million times that I'm subbing when I'm back in town or if I'm teaching a new people, new group of people that I've never met before, I always start by talking and by telling people a little bit about my journey and about what I'm going through right now. Whether or not I saw them yesterday, it doesn't matter. I just kind of speak to what I'm practicing at the moment and what I've learned through my practice because that's what's going to help people have the experience that I want to have in my class. I mean, yes, it's about yoga, but it's it's about creating that sense of community and having people really think to themselves, huh, maybe I need to change the way I look at that or huh, that's me too. How can I how can I be a better beacon of light in my own life or how can I love the people around me more or make that relationship work? 
And so I, I just find it really important to do that because I want people to connect with me and not just for my poses or for my classes. I want it to be about something deeper. And so I, I really try to make sure to do that every time I teach. That's awesome. I really, I really appreciate that relatability, but through genuine honesty. That's the way. From here, I want to ask you, what is one-liner word of advice that you could give all of the beautiful followers out there? Uh, In one word, I would say practice. Two words, maybe practice love. Um, I'm not sure. I definitely have to think about a little bit more, but that would be my synopsis because no matter what I'm going through to continue to practice, I'm not just talking about yoga, but just to keep going through the motions, even when you feel like they're not taking you anywhere, because that's when the golden work is put in. It's like you feel like you're just treading water, but eventually you hit the surface and um, it's the times when you don't really want to put in the work or when the, when you don't want to practice. And those are the times when it's the most important to find yourself. That's a beautiful answer. Practice love. I really enjoy that. Thank I you. do it on the daily. I, I know feel you, you do. I know you do, Andrew. You're really great. Uh, just keeping it real. So from here, I want to ask you, Irene, how do you describe yoga? Hmm. I think yoga is a mirror. And I mean that in the sense that through practicing yoga, you will see the things in yourself that you might not have been aware of. And I also mean that in the sense that as your life evolves, your practice will as well. And as your practice evolves, your life will too. And so the two are together. It's not like you can be one person in your daily life and then you go to your yoga mat and you're a different person. It's one and the same. And so through looking at that and through observing that in ourselves, um, yoga can be the mirror to change ourselves. The reason why I struggle with making a definition of what I see yoga as is because I believe in something so much bigger than yoga and so much bigger than that word, especially lately, I've been um, not necessarily researching, but you know, when yoga came over to America, it was basically the rejects of the yoga community in India, and they were like circus freaks, more or less. And so that's where our physical asana practice has evolved from. And after knowing that, um, I just really realized that there's something so much deeper to it that we haven't really tapped into, especially in America. Uh, where we like to commercialize things and uh, franchise them. And so I, you know, I want to teach love. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm sure my my opinion changes or my definition changes every day as I kind of think about it a little bit more from a different way. And that's something I really love about this practice is uh, your mind will never be made up. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I really appreciate your time today, Irene. And it's absolutely beautiful having this conversation with you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure to be here. Well, thank you and namaste. Namaste. Blessings indeed. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Fit Queen Irene. Make sure to check out fitqueenirene.com for more details on her upcoming classes, travel schedule, and new Cody app plans. For more awesome Yoga Revealed episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and drop us a five-star review if you truly appreciate the interviews we do. We are most grateful for you, the Yoga Revealers, for tuning in today. 
you are appreciated for your support and contribution as a loyal listener of the Yoga Revealed podcast. We will continue to bring inspiration and uplifting interviews your way every single week to help you become the brightest light that you can possibly be in your community. Catch us at yogarevealed.com for a free manifesto document that will inspire your new year and keep you on track for greatness. You can find more Yoga Revealed content on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. Until next time, live light, shine bright, yogis. Much love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.